0: I'm spinning in circles and talking to myself Spinning in circles and talking to myself Welcome to a new spin on autism Answers with host and international speaker and performer, Lynette Louise Besides working on her doctorate in psychophysiology, Lynette has raised eight children, six adopted And four of them falling somewhere on the autism spectrum Laugh with her, cry with her, as she talks to both experts and parents, and takes you through the often confusing, sometimes frustrating, sometimes overwhelming, but always fascinating world of autism. Hello and welcome. This is a new spin on Autism Answers. I'm Lynette Louise, your story teaching host, otherwise known as the Brain Broad. And we are going to have such an awesome show today. I'm so excited. We do not, we do not, yet again, we do not have, okay, 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 it's a great guest giveaway because we keep having great guests and they fill up all the time and there's no time to give anything away. But you never know. You never know what could come down the pike uh, in a show or two. Not happening today, though. We're just going to have my wonderful guest. I'm going to read a couple things to you and we're going to do stories. From the road. So you got to stay for that because that's where I try to pull something out of my butt, ladies and gentlemen. I usually say hat, but I'm, it's late at night. I'm feeling very racy today. Um, so I'm going to pull it out of my butt, and we're going to figure out, uh, you know, what it all meant, and I'm going to make sense of it all. So here's how we're going to start this. I usually... Talk to someone specifically about autism, or, you know, I get a celebrity and we talk about something else and we try to make it fit, autism, just so that you'll listen to me more because, you know, everybody likes a good celebrity interview. But today we're going to do something that's a blessing for me, and it's going to bless you at the same time. Hang in there with me. Let me explain. When you do things in the world, you never know if you're helping really. And that's the simple stuff too. Like if you help a lady across the street or you see somebody fall and you pull over and, you know, help them get up again. Or as a matter of fact, recently I was driving by and I saw a man sleeping on the sidewalk and he didn't, he wasn 't sleeping in a way that fit the homeless scenario, so I ended up having to go you know miles around to try to get back to him just because of the way the roads were set up and call an ambulance and all these things because he just wouldn 't wake up and I have no idea if I changed his life or if he was just in such a deep stupor that you know he he really wishes i 'd let him sleep so um, it's it 's a question we have to sort of walk around life going, well, if I made the right move, I may never know. And the only time we really know is when we do something wrong. And today I'm going to share with you some times when I've been touched by myself coming back to me. And I'm going to do that because I want you to know that when you walk through the world, it does make a difference. You do cause a ripple that goes all the way back and ripples back into your own lap. And so we're going to do that by interviewing somebody who just, I'm just so tickled to tell you about her um, because she actually originally interviewed me. I'm going to read a little piece from her book, too, if that's okay. Is that okay with you?
1: Yes, absolutely.
0: Okay. Okay, now pretend you're not here yet. Okay. <laughs> yes, <laughs> she said that's okay. So, um so I'm going to read a little bit of what she wrote about me. But before we do that, so this is a three-pronged show. I'm going to tell you what I posted on uh Facebook and what what kind of information it sparked. And that's sort of hitting on this when you say something, you do cause a ripple. So speak with intention. Be moving through the world with intention. Do things to make a beautiful ripple because it's going to splash back on you, I promise. So here's my post. I said something on my mind. Kids, all kids, no, all people need to have a purpose in order to flourish. Yes, even low-functioning autistic children. This is a big deal. Whenever one of the children I'm working with struggles more than I expect them to, the common element is a loss of purpose usually stemming from the fact that the people in the environment ridicule the child's idea of what matters. When my son thought he needed to make all the cars in America square and flat by 2016, it was illogical to me, but it was his purpose. So we shaped it until it was more useful, but we never dashed it apart. He grew till it became a useful goal working with cars. And by the way, now he works at AutoZone, and he's very happy. Um, And then it ends with, but that wouldn't have happened if we hadn't first honored the original dream, polish their purpose and make it shine. So I wrote that post because I have, you know, three troubled families that I keep trying to get their child to improve more and... In these three families, it doesn't happen easily, and it's always because the environment that they're living in is telling them that they have to do it normal, (laughs) right? That can't be fun, what you're doing. You have to do this thing over here. All right, so I was just trying to say to people, you know, you need a purpose. When you just raise a child and, and start teaching them skills and you don't, add that to their life's goal. If you don't give them a reason to live every day, kids get depressed and hurt themselves. Kids kids pull deeper inside. They need a purpose, and I don't care how low-functioning they are. But what was interesting is the conversation that it sparked wasn't even about that, but it started there. And that's what often happens in... Um And this kind of thing, you know, you say something, you had a lesson you wanted to share, something you wanted to get out in the world, but somebody else got touched. And they got touched in a, in a way that you maybe hadn't even intended, but they still got touched. And hopefully your intention of love and goodness and uh, beneficial change is what led the way because the rest, the details, you have no control over. So I'm just going to, i got permission to read this, so I'm going to read a little piece of it, because the, the conversation goes on and on and on, it gets really long. But I want to read a little piece so you can see how awesome just speaking out can be and what it can bring. So this woman, Sparrow Rose Jones, who, by the way, has a wonderful blog, she wrote, I think I might have grown up to be a mathematician if I had been nurtured instead of mocked. I didn't even realize that's what it was growing into, what I was growing into. But because I was told to stop wasting your time on that foolishness, instead of treated, treating it with curiosity, it was followed followed by mentorship or something. Um, when I struggled in school, no one looked to see what the real struggle was. In her case, it was dysgraphia, auditory processing, emotional struggles due to severe bullying, vestibular issues. So that's her list. They just told her she wasn't doing the work because I couldn't do the work and that I wouldn't be able to get a job someday, so I had to focus, and they just wanted me to sweep a warehouse. The result is that she sits here at 47 years old, and she's, and she's writing about how she loves math. She realizes I just love math. I can do math if people around me are patient with me. She taught herself algebra, tested college math at age 35. So she's decided to go down this path, but she was so old before she decided to go ahead and follow up. And she still, she fought to get her ADA accommodations, got years of run around, had to drop out of the math program in the meantime. Now I sit at home on disability and teach more math to myself. My dream in my 30s was to be a gentle and understanding professor who teaches remedial math to the people who want to be artists and social workers and linguists, but just have to get past that damned required math class first. Most professors think it is a punishment to get stuck teaching that class but that's exactly who I wanted to teach. I wanted to take people who, like I had, believed they could not do math and help them to see they really could. Okay, so this goes on and on. They end up talking, her and uh, somebody else that's following the post start talking about how they learn, and one of them's talking about how she learns with patterns, another one's talking about how she learns visually, another one, I'm a visual pattern thinker. It goes back and forth, they start describing it in ways, in fact, I, I hope everybody goes to my page and reads this post because if you're wondering how your child thinks here are the people telling you maybe um what your child is coping with so that you can make nice supportive decisions about how to say to your child hey you like math i don't care if you're good at it or not you want okay let's do math you're money is math. If you want your child to handle money and ever live on their own, then you're going to have to get into being supportive of whatever their interests are. But the biggest part I want to point out is, is, she says, she's sitting here on disability. Okay. My guys were so challenged. They were retarded and everyone hates that word, but that's the word. That was the medical term. They were so I'm using it. They were retarded. They had fetal alcohol syndrome. I didn't give it to them. They're adopted. Remember that. Um they you know, they had ASD, so they were autistic, um, some of them classically so, some of them high on the spectrum, some of them low, but they were all really super challenged with many, many diagnoses and and they're independent except for one. And he he doesn't even talk very well, so I don't think it's comparable given all the writing on this post. What I want to say is it isn't because my children are better than this person. It's because my children were taught to have a purpose, taught to attach whatever crazy loony perseveration they had to a life goal. And because of that, they always saw themselves in the future being a success and having their dream, and they were always supported in that. And if you want to see your children do that, that's what you have to do. So we are now going to talk to our guest about a similar conversation, not so much the patterns and and that sort of thing, but a conversation talking about how to support and love your child. So... With that in mind, let's get to our guest, um, and I'll tell you why I'm interviewing her. So she sent me um, a request that I look at her book because she had written about me in her book. And I was like, oh, well, that's pretty cool, you know. I yeah she goes i don't know if you remember me but we interviewed you on the happy hour gals and i'm like right away i remember that was such a fun show i was like oh yeah i remember you of course i remember you and i'm reading I, i was saying that in my head because i'm reading and she's like so you know here's what what i'm hoping for is that you'll read this because you've changed my life markedly and um you're in one of the chapters and i want to send you my book, and if it's okay with you, maybe you could review it. And I'm like, well, of course. You wrote about me. I want to know what you said. (laughs) And besides, you guys were so fun. Of course I want to know. Um, And so that's how we ended up doing this show. So this is Bridget. I'm going to try and say your name, Bridget Derico. Did I get it right?
1: You got it right on, Lynette.
0: Okay, it's Bridget Rico, and she's a mother of two children. They're ages seven and five, and she just finished writing this wonderful book. By the way, I have mainly skimmed it, read every word where I was mentioned, and I'm going to give it a full read because I love it, actually, so far. Um, I love it a lot. So I'm really hoping that your whole book <laughs> stands up for, for what the first impression was because it was really, really a good read. Um, she's written this parenting memoir that depicts the raw and emotional chaos of motherhood, beginning with a stroke at 12 weeks of pregnancy through her daughter's first day of kindergarten. It's titled, Raising the Chili Pepper Child. The story covers both the author's emotional struggle of parenting a child who doesn't fit the normal mold and her daughter's hilarious personality and precocious wit. Oh, my gosh, this is going to be so good. In addition to being a wife and mother, she's the co-founder of 360 Business Consulting and Marketing and Technology Company. Okay, so now they know who you are. So thank you so much for being here. I'm thrilled.
1: Thank you, Lynette, for Inviting me to come on the show and for reviewing my manuscript and just being so supportive
0: oh you 're welcome, thank you for the the story um, before I read the bit that led to us doing the interview. Um, I want everyone to know that there was some suspicion that your child was autistic and some of her challenges and your challenges in dealing with it really fit for us anyways regardless of the fact that whether she got a diagnosis um that that lines up with autism for our show uh the the fit is more in the parental journey of trying to cope with finding out and dealing with um you know gosh therapists and teachers and, and relatives and all that stuff, right?
1: Absolutely, Lynette. You know, I spent the first four years of her life trying to find what was wrong with her, whether it was, you know, several visits to our pediatrician or a child psychiatrist or, you know, we went the occupational therapy route um, And for us, that was very beneficial. Uh, My daughter, I I think to let everybody get a better picture of why we were doing this, is from birth, she never slept. And, you know, she was my first child. So I can remember thinking, people told me, like, babies were supposed to sleep all the time. Why does mine never sleep? She (laughs) cried all the time. She was fussy, like the breastfeeding was a nightmare. She was like a little barracuda who wanted to feed all the time. So, you know, this was my introduction to motherhood. After thinking that I was a competent, successful, professional woman and motherhood would follow suit with that, of course I would be a competent mother. I'm a bright, responsible person. Why wouldn't I have a good baby? Well, the child I was given was not given that same set of instructions. So from the start, it was very challenging. And, you know, now I'm able to look back and see that the challenges weren't so much because of her, but they were my own personal challenges that all of a sudden I was forced to deal with. So starting out with an infant that was very fussy and then just she never fit the mold. Mommy and me classes were a disaster. You know, images of children, they just sat with their mommies, everyone was calm, (laughs) listening. My daughter was, you know, up with the teacher, getting into the toys, taking toys away from other children. We were a disaster everywhere we went. (laughs) The playground, like she just, I had to dominate everything, and I can remember thinking, what is wrong with this child? So, you know, the occupational therapy really was great for us because it presented a lot about this sensory integration disorder, something I had never heard of,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and, you know, now I think it's more common because there's been more written about it and more talked about it, but what we found is that she's a very sensory-seeking child, and the common response that we would think of when someone is anxious or nervous would be to withdraw to their parents and be very, you know, clingy or um, shy. But her response was the opposite. She responded by being even more um, aggressive. Uh, You know, when she would hug her preschool uh, classmates, two-and-a-half-year-olds, three-year-olds, she would hug them so hard it would knock them over. And that's when the preschool teacher said to me, your daughter is the bully of the classroom. I said, How well, does that feel? Well, She's two-and-a-half. It's not like she's bringing a switchblade to school and, like, you know, hurt <laughs> 30 kids. But I sat in a room, Lynette, uh, my son was three months old, during my first ever teacher conference, and the preschool teacher sat across from me and said, you know, your daughter shows a lot of signs of an abused child, but we've never seen any marks on her.
0: (laughs) Don't you just love the...
1: Oh, I was like, okay, someone is abused in this situation, but it's me. I'm the abused (laughs) person, you know. I mean, I have a, a nursing baby, and she's telling me this after... You know, my husband and I spent, night after night, we would read her stories for 30 minutes. We would do this whole routine of trying to get her to bed, trying to get her into a routine. And You know,
0: know, this this is such a common problem because uh, we don't, especially, it's getting better, but, I mean, the fact is people who don't deal with physiological issues see everything in a psychological model, and they take... You know, they take the beliefs that are surround, that surround this neurotypical psychological model um, made non neurotypical by abuse. I mean, it's just, they're not coming from the right thinking in the first place. And no matter how much you explain it, they're going to see this other story it's mm-hmm. it 's a real problem, so often the abuse that happens in homes with special kids happens because they 're trying to keep the world from thinking they 're abusive and that ups the pressure and ups the pressure and ups the pressure to the point where it actually is becomes a, a sort of a self fulfilling prophecy in a sense because they 're trying not to be seen a certain way, and then the next thing you know that 's too much pressure and mm-hmm. and bad things happen um i'm not saying that for you i'm just saying that yeah no
1: i agree because now that i have learned the type of person my daughter is she is extremely bright and she can read people and i think she's always had this ability with that with such a hypersensitive ability that when she was little it was also overwhelming for her Right. It was. She could feel everything and right. sense everything. She could sense that those teachers thought she was the bad kid. Right. She could sense everything in her two and a half year old, three year old body. And I mean, what do you do with that when you're that age? I mean, you
0: you try to dominate. That's exactly, exactly. what you do. It's, it's like it's, so it's like much. too much noise in the car. You want to be the loudest one so that you don't have to hear all of the other people. So you scream. Yeah. yeah exactly
1: right you're yeah. exactly right, and we were so blessed to find an occupational therapist who understood that, and she was very matter of fact she was very you know professional and and that got us on the right path. you know the next blessing was meeting you through the radio show um, okay,
0: so before we get there <laughs> yeah let let's because let's, that, that's going to take us in the direction that I want I, I kind of want to Great, now they know who you are. So, <laughs> um, And by the way, she's a great radio host. They it were was, it was oh, so fun. Thanks. Both of you were so fun. So um, I have to tell, sort of have you set this up. So you were trying to write this book, and you're sending it out, and you're getting back the editor's comments. Um, so tell them kind of, let's set up this part, this chapter that I want to read uh, a little bit.
1: I will. Well, you know, I started it because I just started journaling, uh, of what was happening every day because I was I was really struggling with figuring out how can I be the, the mother and the parent that my daughter needs. You know, I feel like I have no idea what's going on. I have no idea how to help her, and I'm really struggling. So I started just journaling and just putting everything out on paper. Um, my degree is in journalism, and I've always – really enjoyed writing and that's been a big part of of how I'm able to express myself creatively so I started doing that and I started seeing something formulating and I thought you know if I could share my story with people because I would observe other moms you know very frustrated with their child and, and so I started thinking, maybe I can put this together in a book. I've never written a book, but I'm a journalism major. Clearly, I know how to write. So, so I sent the first draft off to an editor, and I'm, I'm getting her feedback. The First, I'm very excited because clearly I have written a bestseller. I mean, obviously, <laughs> everyone's going to want to buy this. It's fantastic. And she says, after reading the first 12 pages of your manuscript, I deeply regretted accepting this project. I was like, oh, <laughs> dear. My book sucks. Uh, so that, sucked. Was a start, <laughs> Lynette, that was the start of um, my career as a book writer. But uh, thankfully, she had some you know, constructive criticism, and and the one thing she said was the part that sings in this book is when you write about your daughter, and that is what gave me a glimmer of hope that you may be able to write a book someday, and it really made me think not just about the manuscript, but it made me think about my life and what's really important and what really sings in my life versus what I had thought should sing in my life, my career, um, you know, this image of being the perfect mother and having the perfect family. But that's not what really sings. What really sings is the amazing family that I actually have, the children that I actually have and am able to learn from. So that. Completely changed the direction of the manuscript. And um, I remember the night I, I put that, the first manuscript in the trash on my computer. And when it said, Are you sure you want to delete this file? Yes, delete it. Done. And I started again.
0: Yeah, I like, it. I like the way you put it. I had written a crappy book. Yeah. <laughs> I started to cry and reread the words. I was deeply regretting taking on the project. Okay, was, so now I'm going to read humbling. it. It was humbling.
1: It was humbling.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Think uh, you're better than me. When my editors say stuff like that, I go, "Never mind telling me what you want. <laughs> just tell me why you don't like it, and I'll fix it the way I like it." <laughs> so I'm, I'm really a hard nosed. But anyway, okay. So we mm-hmm. I don't cry. I just tell that's them I'm not going to listen if you're mean. <laughs> so, you. I was weak. I was very
1: weakened at the time. You know, by the whole experience, but um, it was good. It turned out it was just what I
0: needed. Yeah, okay, so here she goes, I shut the lid of my computer and cried. I wasn't sure whether to love the editor or hate her. She was exactly right. Her honesty was brutal. But I had paid her to give me her professional opinion of my manuscript, not tell me how wonderful I was. I had to make a choice. I could make a few edits, slap a cover on it, and make my self-imposed deadline, or I could forget the deadline and work on it until it was good. I asked myself, do you want to do this right? I spent the next several months thinking about the book, rereading my editor's comment, and editing my manuscript. I added significantly more content about my experiences as a mother and softened the tone. The more I worked on the manuscript, the more I realized that the old tone really wasn't me. It was who I thought I should be or the person I thought I wanted to be. After nine months of writing, I asked my editor if she'd be willing to take a look at the next version of my manuscript. She accepted. I sent it off, this time with lower expectations. You weren't planning on the Nobel Prize yet, or the the Pulitzer Prize, sorry.
1: (laughs) No, no. I
0: I want the Nobel Prize. You get the Pulitzer.
1: I been a little grounded at at that point. (laughs) So here we go.
0: While I waited for the second manuscript, Holly and I were busy with our radio show. We did a live show once a week, and every week I learned so much from our guests and the process of putting the show together. My favorite episode of the show's two-year run featured an amazing woman named Lynette Louise. That's me, people. (laughs) Here's what I said when I introduced her. Lynette is the author of the book, Miracles Are Made, a real-life guide to autism, and is also a speaker and nationally recognized expert for her breakthroughs in helping autistic children and their families live happier lives. Another guest of the show had told Holly about Lynette. Holly interviewed Lynette over the phone, had a great conversation, and coordinated her appearance on the show. I loved interviewing authors and covering topics of interest to moms. was perfect for the show. I thought, thought Lynette would be a great resource for our listeners who might have an autistic child or knew someone who did. Beyond that, I knew very little bit very little, about the depth of Lynette's story. As the show moved forward and we asked questions, Lynette was funny. Oh, I was funny. No, I'm sorry. Lynette was funny and completely open about her life. I thought it would be an academic conversation, but it turned out to be a real discussion about living because, you know, that's what we got to do. Mm -hmm. Lynette was a single mother of eight children. That's right, I said at eight and single most of the time. Uh, (laughs) Lynette left school at 15, married, and had two children before turning 20. By the time she was 29, she had adopted four toddlers, all boys with varying degrees of autism. The most severe was four years old when she adopted him. He had spent most of his life before then locked in a closet by his alcoholic mother. She then adopted two troubled teenage girls, one with learning disabilities. Okay, folks, those of you who already know that about me, I'm sorry, but this is how she wrote it, so you just got to bear with it. We're in the good stuff now. How could you do that as a single mother? We asked, stunned. Having been a foster parent, which, by the way, I was only a foster parent for a year, people. Um, having been a foster parent," says Lynette, I couldn't stand that the kids would be bounced from home to home. I had to keep them. And then they say, well, what did you do to support them? Anything I could. I did stand-up comedy. Then I was a mail carrier. Once I needed to make rent, so I got a job to do a performance at a convention. I was so excited I got the job, and then I remembered that I had all these kids and no babysitters. So what was I going to do with them while I was at work? I made up a show about clowns and had all of the kids in the show. Uh, It was a complete disaster, and I was never asked back again, but I got paid, and we made rent and bought food that month. So, you know, it worked how did you get through the days managing all of the kids? Were you ever just depressed? That was my question. So that was Bridget's question. Mm -hmm. You know, the kids were the easy and fun part. They're all so special and lovely. I can't imagine not having them in my life. They've taught me so much, she said, with such love. And she added with a chuckle, I'm much better with kids than I am with men. We talked more about Lynette 's work with her own children and her current work with autistic children and their families. She sh- shared how so many families struggle to understand and communicate with their autistic children and how she goes into their homes to help them as soon as I walk into their home, I sit them down at the table across from their au- across from their autistic child, and I say, "Look at your child, look at their face, study it, and love it. Fall in love mm-hmm. with your child." Mm-hmm. Holly was waiting for me to ask another question. Bridget, are you crying, she asked with a puzzled look. I could only nod silently. Tears were streaming down my face. Lynette Louise had just answered my deepest question. How I would ever be able to raise... How do you say her name, Avenia? Uh,
1: uh, Aviana.
0: Aviana. Aviana. What a pretty name. So here you are. You're asking yourself how you're going to do it. And I say that and you feel so moved. I, and it, mm-hmm. I'll just read one more bit here. I didn't need to be extraordinary after all. I just needed to love her. That's what every parent needed to do. No matter what type of child they had. Okay, there's more, but that's what I wanted to get to. Mm-hmm. So, first of all, thank you for writing that. Thank oh, you for being willing to be on the show look, so I could share it. That was now verbatim. That was verbatim yeah.
1: of what happened. I mean, yeah. it was just when you said, look at your child, study them, and fall in love with them, I thought to myself, every parent needs to do that. That's what we all need to do, because no matter what is going on with that little person, that is the, our purpo- Our
0: number one purpose. You and we have to do it every day. You know, listen. it's really, yeah. you fall out of you're love right. with your child because you're busy. And you mm-hmm. have to stop, turn, look, and look to love. You look to be in love. That's what you're looking to do, and then it'll be there.
1: No, oh, you're you're exactly right. It was just such a um, a powerful moment, and it was it came to me at a time when, as I mentioned earlier, I was really uh, struggling with you know, what am I going to do? What do I need to do? How do I fix this? And then that was all you've got to do is really love her, love everything about her, love her natural gifts. You know, Lynette, you talked earlier in the show about um, your, your listener who mentioned her gifts for math. Well, you know, my daughter has a natural ability with numbers and math and patterning. I mean, when she was two and a half, I mean, she was, had, you know, was a toddler, and when I would set the table... If I placed a plate of a different color on a placemat that didn't match it, she would go around and move them so that they all matched.
0: Yeah. So we either love that or we say, would you stop that?
1: Yes, or why why would you do that? You're messing everything up. Or (laughs) like you said, like, wow, that is amazing that you even pay attention to that and care. I mean, who does that?
0: Right. Right. And and not not to say that you don't ever say, Look, you're messing it all up, but you do it with an explanation. So mm-hmm. when I you know, when a parent says, Yeah, but how do you do that all the time? Well I say, Well you don't. You you go, mm-hmm. you know what, I love that you're able to do that, but today that's a problem right. because exactly. and now you're actually teaching, you know, social appropriateness because maybe it's a problem because so and so's coming over or whatever. So, um why but it's I, okay
1: that it's not always gonna match.
0: Exactly.
1: Like, it's not always going to match, but it's going to be fine. Right. You don't have to worry about it. It's right. Nothing's going to happen.
0: Right. And it's okay if you want it to match. Yeah. Um, but some Maybe days... Next
1: week it's you not, can right, set the table it, how you want it. Right.
0: Right. Exactly. 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 And then that leads to flexibility, and a flexible mm-hmm. brain is a healthy brain. So when you're doing that, you have... Wait, what the difference is, is when you're annoyed... You don't really have access to your higher level thinking, to your executive mm-hmm. function. So when you do annoyance with your child, when you do frustration with your child, you won't come up with good answers. You'll use stuff that's wrote that you heard your parents say will mm-hmm. come out of your mouth or, you know, I mean, it's yeah. just because you don't have higher level thinking. But when you're coming from a place of love, you're brilliant and you're able to really come up with these creative ideas and ways of, of helping your child. And so they grow, and they get somewhere. Um, yeah, they get, so you're
1: exactly right, because yeah. she's so bright. She doesn't want a rote answer, because she knows right. that is not the right answer. So she just keeps asking and doing things until she gets the answer that's logical and makes
0: sense. Exactly. So you are listening to A New Spin on Autism mm-hmm. Answers. I am Lynette Louise, your story-teaching host, otherwise known as The Brain Broad. Make sure you stay to the very end where we are going to have story Not doing okay, okay, okay. Great guest giveaway today because our guests are too great. Actually, our guests, some of them are posts that I'm reading. And one who's marvelous, who you are listening to, is Bridget DiRico. She's a mother of two children, and she just wrote Raising the Chili Pepper Child. I mean, is that the coolest title ever? Raising the Chili Pepper Child. I wish, I really wish that. I had written that. So, <laughs> And I love that when you wrote me your sentences for introing that you say, your daughter's hilarious personality and precocious wit. I mean, how awesome is that to see her that way instead of as the bully in the classroom when she's two years old. Come on, people. Okay, so um, there. I had to do that. You know that. You did radio. So now let's talk about this. So here we are. You've done radio. You were struggling to, to raise children and doing parenting talks on radio. And now you've written this book. And so now you're in that place of I put it out there in the world. I put it out there in the world. I put it out there in the world. Does it come back? Tell me some of that. Um, have you had people contact you and say thank you for you know, this particular show or thank you. Like, let's talk about that because that's kind of what's up today.
1: You know what? I, I have, but in more subtle ways. I think I have recognized it more just in in being open about what our real life is like. You know what? I, I, um, I grew up in a wonderful family, and I'm so blessed. I grew up with two great parents. Um, very stable, you know a great environment, so for me, obviously that became what my norm was and Although you know I have a wonderful husband, we have a stable life, I was feeling very uh, a lot of instability in, in terms of being a mother, and somehow by putting all of this out there, it just made me feel more okay and comfortable with it, and you know i just I noticed it. And in the people that were around at school, uh, you know, and other mothers who were struggling and just being able to have a level of empathy and understanding with them that they're like, this is so great that you are not judging me for my, you know, wild child or my child that does this. And I'm, you know, I'm like, you know what? No, it's fine. They're a great little person. They are bright there, and so for me, that has been very therapeutic and a cathartic experience of sharing this. I, you know, I obviously hope as as my book gets in front of more eyes that I'm able to help more people. Because I just know in my own situation: going to the bookstore, or going to the library, and looking for books to describe. What I was going through, you know, my daughter never really had a diagnosis. You know, the child psychologist said, well, she could be ADD. She could be on the spectrum. I don't know. She's three. Yeah, She's really that's bright. just
0: hard, actually. That's just hard, Bridget, when, you, when you're when you kind of like, well, uh, that's good she doesn't have one, but, geez, what the heck is this? What do
1: I do? I kept right. hoping, like, can someone tell me what is wrong? So <laughs> in the book I talk about, finally there were a few books that I found uh, one, you know, about the strong-willed child or there were some that I thought, why didn't I ever see these first where they're not diagnosing? It's just, listen, you've got a strong-willed child who's bright. Yeah, you know what? They may be on the spectrum, but, you know, you could try occupational therapy. You can, but this is just how they are wired. Right. So here's right. here's how you can help them sort of navigate through the world. Uh, you know, Now my daughter is going and she will start the second grade. She's done very well in school. She goes to a uh, language immersion school, and she is pretty much fluent in Spanish after first grade. Uh, so it's been That's very good awesome. for her. Keep, but that mind, the thing I know about her is that mind goes all the time. and So learning for her is a very relaxing activity. The socialization part is challenging uh, just because of the way she's wired. And I know that that will be a source of, of pain for her as she grows up.
0: Oh, oh careful, careful,
1: self fulfilling prophecy. <laughs> well, I I know you're right. Maybe I'm thinking it's gonna be a source of pain for me uh
0: watching her. But you know, she's Well actually like, let's jump on that. Let's jump on that. Okay, so yes. so you have a child who really likes to be focused because when she's focused and learning then everything kinda of gets into perspective, right? And you're not right. lost in the I used to call it in the grey, so you know, when I think you're that's a good way to describe it. Right. It's like there's this amorphous existence until you focus and pick something. And, and that's an uncomfortable place to be. In fact, transition is in that gray area and in that um, sort of that spongy amorphous existing. Mm-hmm. And the second that you do your transition, you're comfortable again. And transitions mm-hmm. are often difficult for people with these problems. And so, you know, if that's who she is and she turns into a workaholic, we, so we're back on what I was talk how I opened the show. If she turns into a workaholic, now you have a choice you either embrace the workaholic and think that that's a healthy, wonderful way for her to be, or you run around saying you have to be balanced, you have to be social right. and so maybe the discomfort most of the kids have that are like that is caused by us telling them that they're not being social enough right um yeah. you know so what
1: absolutely- and um. You know, she is social. She um, is very fun and very active. You know, interesting thing about her I've seen in first grade is she has more friends who are boys because at recess they play like she likes to play. They run around. They climb on things. They're, you know, playing soccer. The girls, you're, I, sh- I shouldn't say that, but most of the girls aren't like that. They play right. more quietly, more gently, and that's just not how she plays. So I am happy that she follows her instinct because that's what she needs. Her body needs that um, physical exertion to
0: calm down. That and probably also the way boys talk, they're more clear cut. You know, they just say, and that's how do it, is. don't do it. Yeah.
1: yeah. And she doesn't hold, you know, it's, it is what it is. You know, she said to me one day we were driving to school because she asked a million questions constantly and I just (laughs) wanted her to stop and I said, Aviana, what is the meaning of life? And she said, Duh mommy. It's how it happens.
0: And didn't miss a beat. Now, as exactly. I was saying, Mom,
1: <laughs> exactly. Da, 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 da. I was like, "Wow, you're six years old, and
0: you
1: <laughs> pretty much have it figured
0: out." Okay, but so I liked that when I asked you the question, which was kind of um, what I want to play with a little bit for the show. Of does it come back to you? You had a little bit of a hard time with that one, right? Mm-hmm. It's like, well, does it come back? Uh, sort of. Yeah, kind of. Um, but that's the point. It usually doesn't. So when I got your book mm-hmm. and you'd written that, I have to tell you, I mean, I spent all my money putting it out there.
1: Mm-hmm. As
0: soon as I make it, I put it out back out there because I think these changes have to happen. I think parents have to look at their child and say, I want to be in love with you. Mm-hmm. And that you reconnected with me, this is really, I'm wanting to give you so much gratitude because I don't usually get to find out. And in fact, I thought you had gone silent because... You weren't having any fun with me no. <laughs> on the show, <laughs> or that no. something had happened that I'd said something. I hung up, and I thought, no. "What did I say that offended that Bridget?" Oh, I'm so, <laughs> so
1: sorry, you felt that way. Nothing. You left me silent because I had so much to think about. But I
0: isn't had so that much to amazing? Think that about
1: and to work on, um, because you know, not only that, but just your story and the work you do is really. A changing the world, you know, when people, and I don't mean to be, uh, you know, too, um, too sappy on this, but really when you think about when people talk about changing the world, the work that you have done is really changing the world. I mean, you the work you did with your, chi- your own children and the work that you were doing with children and parents, that's really what's going to change the world because the world is made up of people. And
0: right. You
1: know, it's hard work. It's not sexy work. It's not famous work. It's being just day to day life and and making it work. And that's what is so great about what you do and that you have the energy and, you know, the background and, and you're very intelligent and to get that out there and to reach. So many people. And, you know, I said this before, but it's not just about parents of autistic children. It's about all parents, especially now, because we're all nutballs. We have. Everybody's on
0: psychotropic meds, and everybody watches TV and finds out they're broken.
1: (laughs) Yes, or my child isn't number one in the class, or they're not doing this, not doing that. We're just a wreck, and we need that reality check of, listen, what is it all about? you know and and so much of it is our own issues and uh, you know that's really what I want my manuscript or my book to communicate is it wasn't my daughter it was she was looking me making me stare myself in the face in the mirror and say you gotta deal with what's going on with you right Um, right because it's not me
0: and we have to keep refocusing on moving forward and putting Mm -hmm. it out there if regardless of if it's coming back i mean you gave me a great gift and i super appreciate it because now you know just to know now i'll have the energy and the ability to do maybe an extra year or two of work that's really above and beyond because somebody said hey this changed it for me too and now you'll you know, people who read your book will, will hear that, too. It's not that I'm saying we want to be patted on the back. It's that sometimes if you feel like you're talking out to a void and it's not really making a difference and mm-hmm. it doesn't come back, you can lose some of your momentum. So Absolutely. So people, listening, mm-hmm. audience, what's the point? I'm really wanting us to tell those who have inspired us that they've inspired us. If you want to continue to get the inspiration, you want to reach out and say thank you. You want to do that for others so that you can model that you'd like a little of that yourself. We're really really kind of maladaptive in our world and... Uh, sucking the energy out of each other and we could give that back with a little change and so that's what you did for me Bridget I've, you know I've got a lot on my plate lately and it was as well timed as it could be to uh, get me through this uh, trip I'm trying to do to Israel to help this family so um, I appreciate you for appreciating me and for being willing to share with people uh, this you know the way that things should change and and what we could do to make it different. Mm-hmm. Um, well, you have, ama- you have many point.
1: amazing gifts, Lynette. So uh, I applaud you for sharing your gifts with the world. And I hope that you can continue to because it is making a difference.
0: Okay, so it made a difference for you. And now you're here yes. to make a difference for others. And they may not tell you. And that needs to not matter. Mm-hmm. You know, we need to just keep doing it and doing it and doing it. So, you know, whenever, <laughs> whenever you go, what am I doing this for? I want you to remember this, <laughs> or go and press play and listen to this back because it'll be in a podcast. <laughs> and, right. And say, oh yeah, I'm doing it. So because people, the if for one person that tells you you help them, there's there's so many many more that never do. So you're right about You will that. make a big difference. It's a good book.
1: Thank you, Lynette
0: yeah you're going to make a big difference with it, so when you think about your book, um, what do you think is the best gift that you 're giving people?
1: I hope that I'm able to to give them a similar gift that you gave to me is a gift of of love and giving the gift of love to your children and not to worry so damn much about what you feel the perception is about your child and and how that reflects on you as a parent but to just really be focused on loving the person that your child is and you will get so much love from them in return
0: yeah it's pretty funny it's like you know, yep. I, always, I always think you know you had a baby because you wanted to snuggle and, and kiss and hold mm. and and love something. Well, that mm-hmm. never got taken away from me, really. It's you know, you true. Get, sometimes with some of the kids, because they sensory issues, you have to snuggle yeah. their foot. Yeah, they exactly. might have to adapt it. have to them, them up in a blanket. You got to wrap them
1: up like a burrito or whatever, which we did with our
0: daughter, and um, yeah, you kind of have to change the definition sometimes.
1: But. You make your own definition, and you make it work for your family, and yeah. And that's just what you do because, well, that's just how life is for everybody in one way or another. So we all have our own sense of crazy, and we just learn to deal with it.
0: Well, I agree. All right, so how will
1: they get this book? Well, i got to tell you, Lynette, I just finished the uh, last draft of editing, and um, honestly I'm looking at the publishing Opportunities. So I'm, you know, I'm a first time author, and it's not that easy now to get. Published, so I I am still pitching it. But if okay. that doesn't work out, I may just self-publish it. So I'll keep you posted.
0: Oh yeah, you you can you'll get it published. Um, so here's what you're going to do: you're going to let me know when that's figured out, so that I can have you back on, and it won't be all about me, 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 me. It oh, really really wasn't about me. It was time.
1: About <laughs> I went on and on. So no, next time we should talk more about you.
0: No, no, no. We shouldn't. We, that was this show. <laughs> so anyway, um, but I want you to come back and and give one away. Would you do that for us?
1: I would. I would give more than one away if there are people out there willing to read it, Lynette.
0: <laughs> well, they'll be they'll be willing to read it. It's, it's good for it's, you,
1: absolutely, without a doubt.
0: All right. So y'all just gonna have to wait for that Chili Pepper Child book. Um, right. All right. Thank you so much, Bridget. Uh, Any last words that you want to share? You want people to look you up? Anything you can, uh, you want contact or do you just want to go off into the night?
1: (laughs) You know what? I want people to keep listening to you, Annette, and know that what you're saying is relatable to everyday life in so many different types of families and different types of children because there is not just one normal family or child that doesn't exist. And... You know everybody struggles in one way or another, but the work that you're doing and the insight you have really brings such a strong message to to every situation. So you know what? That's that's all I can say. You you bring a I'm lot of, great.
0: of love. No, just...
1: Well, no, you bring a, you just you Thank bring you. a great Thank perspective, you. and um, you. you know we need to raise well adapted, loving. Children, because that's the type of people that will be in our world, and
0: right. And you can't yeah. raise that if you don't do that. So
1: it's true. It's true. It. So yeah. Well,
0: thank that's you we so much. I'm going to close the show now, but and do stories from the road, and you don't have to stay for that. Sounds but good. we really appreciate you for um, for speaking out and giving kudos. And keeping um you know, keeping the world rocking. It's really important to tell people all the good work they're doing for you so that you don't put the shine the attention on the negatives, shine it on the positives.
1: Absolutely. Thank you so much, Lynette. Good luck. All right, Bye-bye. bye bye.
0: All right, that was Bridget DeRico, as you heard, and she's the mother of two, and she has a chili pepper child, and it's going to be awesome uh, when the book's available. We'll have her back until give some away. Um, and she did not. Uh, say her website but she's 360 Business Consulting and I will put a link up because after all she was marvelous and you should be able to connect with her in case you need her Um, you know business consulting always is a good thing it's a marketing and technology company alright so people it is time for Stories from the Road okay I was working with a family, and, um, you know, I do three-day intensives. so the first day I don't know the people. By the second day, we're best friends. By the third, we're related. Um, on day three, the mom wanted to, she was so excited, she'd been reading my book every night, um, and she wanted me to restate something that i had said in the book so she's saying to her husband look look you know that she's made this great point and you know she sets me up and says okay say it and and you have to understand i wrote it (laughs) i don't remember what i said (laughs) i mean that was a long time ago i wrote it besides i know the points that i make because i make them still today but um but to just, you know, regurgitate, I'll, like, quote myself, I'm not going to be able to do it. So uh, I tried. <laughs> and I was like, I think you're referring to, you know, and I tried to have a conversation on what I thought she was talking about. She says, oh, you said it so much better in print. <laughs> So she she ran out of the room and came back and she's leaping through and she finds the spot and she reads it. And I haven't found it. I've got my book open here and I thought I was going to read it to you because um, I thought it would be nice to prove what I'm about to say, but I'll, you're just going to take my word for it because I can't find it. So anyway, so she, she finds the spot and she reads it. And it's me talking about how I had, you know, been sort of stuck in this martyr role, thinking that I was doing good work by um, trying to, you know, do all the work for my kids and and all of this, and and how I had come to understand that, um, you know, it takes takes more, that you have to say no, that you have to stand strong, that you have to be healthy, you, uh, you know, things that I'm saying right now in a very... Uneloquent way, I said in my book really well because she sat there and she read it back to me, and I remember thinking, "Wow, that's really good." (laughs) Because I was impressed by the writer, and um, and it made me also reacquaint myself with how hard I work to try and tell you the truths of things, and how hard Bridget is working to do the same. Um, when someone writes a book like this, they write it to give a gift. Uh, sometimes to give that gift to themselves, because for me to write it, I had to become clear. I had to look at it. It's like raising your children. To raise them, you have to get clear. Um, but once you're clear, you really, really treasure that clarity. You treasure, treasure, treasure being able to give an answer. Because for so long, you were searching for it. And so I wrote my book as a gift to you. And Bridget wrote hers as a gift to you. And I hope, beyond hope, that you will read these books and take that gift. Because we can only offer the gift. It's up to you to take it. Mine is already in print, so you can get it. It's miracles Are Made, A Real Life Guide to Autism. But either way, I want you to know that, holy cow, if you run around telling people all the wonderful things that come from what they've done for you, you're going to live a life of gratitude. And if you do that, you already won the the gold ring. You already got what you were looking for, a happy, rich, and wonderful life. I'm Lynette Louise. Your story teacher host, otherwise known as The Brain Broad. You've been listening to a new spin on Autism Answers. Today's question, should you speak up and tell somebody the wonderful things they did for you? (laughs) Today's answer is yes. (laughs) Thank you for being here. Because without you, I'd just be talking to myself. talking to myself, spinning in circles, and I'm talking to myself, I can't hear you.